It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg. Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. G'day listeners and welcome once again to the Two Jacks, our episode nine of our combination uh, of our combined uh, version where we put uh, domestic Australian politics, media, etc., together with our world coverage. And joining me, as usual, is Hong Kong Jack. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Staying a bit cooler here. The uh, the winter monsoon, as they call it here, will arrive at the weekend. Well, you don't get summer monsoons just in the winter. No, no, it's a it's a winter monsoon, which doesn't necessarily mean it's wet. Uh, but what happens is that the the wind turns around and comes from the far east of China, um, so it gets pretty it's damn cold pretty it's quickly. A bit and brisk, yeah. yeah can see that. We did to get the weekend that. The outer edges of the north of the new territories, which is up near the Chinese border, will be five degrees, and we might get by with about eight here on the on the wow. island. I think. Wow, that's uh, Southern Islands temperature in winter. Uh, yeah. Today we've got, got something in the mid twenties, a rather lovely day. I've been down in Melbourne where it was quite warm, uh, and uh, a whole lot of. Uh, Bad weather going on around the world, but um, you've uh, you've uh, got something there. You've read uh, from a friend of mine, uh, and uh, he's uh, I think he's got a special editorial role at the ABC, John Lyons, and he is talking about the relationship with China, what works and what doesn't, and he's saying that elbow, what elbow does works, but Justin Trudeau, our favourite uh, cosplaying political leader. Not so much. Yeah, at least Justin wasn't dressed in a, a Mandarin outfit, you know, with the button all the way to the top or anything like that. He was just in a, in a normal suit and tie. But, you know, John Lyons, I think, is making a good point that there are different ways of approaching um, a, a, a relationship like the West has with China and that Australia has, by and large, got it right uh, back from the, the Gough Whitlam days. Yes, it was, uh, it was an interesting piece and uh, he went... Uh, he went back um, uh, to to the to the Whitlam days, uh, and, and Goff, uh, who had the vision to understand that China was going to become a giant um, and um, an economic giant and and a major regional giant, uh, into the Hawke era, and and Hawke certainly, as Lyons said, was no apologist. Um, but then um, uh, he also identified—that's Lyons—he also identified a period. From around 2017 onwards, which is the latter part of the Turnbull government um, and uh, coming into the Morrison government, where the relationship with China was absolutely terrible and there was a lot of megaphone diplomacy going on from Australia. Yeah, John Lyons is, was very clear that um, that the good approach to China, what he thinks is the good approach to China, had been bipartisan right through, um, uh, right from the Whitlam days there on, um, uh, but that seemed to collapse, um, and, and and he was full of praise for people like John Howard and Tony Abbott um, and Julia Gillard, uh, who had all maintained this um, this same approach, um, but that it started to fall apart during the latter part of the, as you say, the latter part of the Turnbull government and of the Morrison government. 
Well, the Morrison government, I mean, you know, the, the current leader of the opposition, Peter Dutton, on Anzac Day this year, Jack, in the middle of a political campaign, prepare for war, Australia. Yeah, I think he's been reading Greg Sheridan in the Australian. Huh? <laughs> I, I, I would not agree with that. I think Greg is actually uh, <laughs> Greg's got uh, got a pretty good grasp with this. But that was really just playing domestic politics, um, uh, talking to a domestic audience, and really having uh, what Dutton said, really having no um, uh, uh, <clears throat> sense of the great diplomatic harm he was doing. Or, or not being concerned about it because, it, you know, he was trying to make it an election issue. Yeah, well, I think Greg Shannon last week said that the time to prepare for war with China is now. I think that's right. You always prepare ahead of time. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, are we preparing for war with China or, or, or are we preparing for regional conflict, Jack? I mean, I think well, that's... Much the same thing. Well, is it? I mean, uh, uh, do we do we perceive our, our national interests are most threatened by China and their expansion of their military, expansion of their economy? Oh, well, time will tell of that. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, what I guess the point I'm trying to make is that where politicians tr- seek to make um, uh, domestic political points around foreign policy, it is always a disaster. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they all do it. Um, they do it in China and they do it in all around the West as well. For, mm. By and large, um, they do it too often, but um, it's very hard to stop them from doing that. Yeah, when election campaigns are on, Jack, you know, yeah. basically the, the, the gloves come off. Yeah. Now, now look. But, but, but I think John Lyon made some good points. That there oh, it, was is a good, a better, it was a good piece. It's, uh, there, it's is some, the- there is a better way of going about it than um, uh, what, he, what he particularly called Justin Trudeau out for was mm. briefing against uh, President Xi Jinping um, a poster meeting with him. Uh, yes, and that definitely did happen. And, and also the sort of megaphone stuff, Jack. Yeah. Um, yelling out, through, using the media to, to, to basically um, uh, 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 hold a dialogue with China. It's just not going to work, is it? No, no, it just gets their back up and, 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 you know, it's possible to have a sensible conversation with them. Yeah, yeah, you know, just screaming which, out. Which, which, which doesn't mean giving away uh, our position, doesn't mean saying, well, we're just going to go along with whatever you want to do. No, that's right. Yeah, it just means you sit down quietly and calmly and say, this is what we think about this, and you listen to their response. Yeah, and you don't, and you, and you don't go out and hold a press conference afterwards and say what's happened. Or, or in Trudeau's case, leak to the media yeah. your version of what the conversation was about. It's that is just not the way to handle very sensitive diplomatic matters. And uh, I think our current opposition checkers, uh, well, if they're if they're learning, they're showing no signs of it. Um, but it's probably, I would say, we can talk about this towards the end of the program or to a. Uh, towards the end of the, um, the local coverage, I would think it's probably the best thing that, that the Albanese government has done coming into the end of 2022, and that is to put the, the relationship uh, with their major trading partner back on some sort of dialogue, uh, some sort of track where, where conversations can now occur between the two countries at a very senior level. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to be... 
terribly exact about where it started to go off the rails, but um, it, it certainly was in Turnbull's time when it, where it started to, to fall apart. It was, yeah. And I think Lyons got that right. The 2017, rather than just the emergence of Morrison, and we know Morrison would have played you know, the, the diplomatic card or the foreign affairs card and did, um, but, the, but the problem started well before that. And, of course, there was no conversation. When major trading partner and the trade ministers, well, the Chinese trade minister wasn't taking the calls, Jack, mm. for, for, for about two years. It's not a good situation. So yeah, we, uh, were, we, were, think- we were finding out things like the importation of Australian lobster and crayfish uh, had been stopped when the plane load of lobsters arrived in China and were left to rot on the tarmac. So um, that's a that's a failure of communication, you might say. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it did make for very cheap lobsters over Christmas in Australia for domestic <laughs> consumption. Yeah, um, every, every, every cloud has a silver lining. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I don't want to make too much fun of this, Jack, uh, but uh, we've seen some pretty poor behaviour around Christmas parties. Um, and... Uh, uh, well, uh, there's one, a Victorian Union official uh, has allegedly head-butted uh, someone uh, at, a, uh, at, at a Christmas party. Uh, we've it got, was a, a law firm Christmas party, I believe. So, he's, I mean, let's just start with the obvious. Head-butting is a really low act. I mean, it mm. just is a very low act. I spoke to, spoke to a police officer about Unless you're this. from Glasgow. Well, maybe the old Glasgow kiss is acceptable there, but I was talking to a copper who just, who you know, it, it, for him it's like kicking. I mean, he 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 might have copped one on the bonds himself over the journey, but uh, he said it was the, just about the lowest thing a, a, a person can pull. So we got a union official in there that made a bit of news. He was uh, from the plumbers union, wasn't he, Jack? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to go into this too deeply because the, there may be will be legal proceedings at some stage. Yeah, um, and of course the, we've we've got the Sky News and and uh, man, it was about to take over the morning show at Two GB. Chris Smith, who's been stood down over inappropriate behaviour at the Sky News Christmas party. Jack got a bit of history, hasn't he? I think he does. See, I, no, I don't follow his career very closely. Career very closely. I've just got to say that this sort of stuff's been happening at Christmas parties for as long as I can remember, you know. Uh, it's it, it's different times, Jack, and, and you just can't get away. What I don't, Look, it's not clear what Smith has done, but, he, but clearly he uh, has uh, uh, conducted himself in, a, in an appropriate way. I noticed he, he attempted to reach out and apologise today. He's... Uh, the, not the amusing thing. There's nothing really amusing about this uh, other than he is now seeking treatment, Jack. This is a very Australian thing. When you're locked in a scandal and you're a public figure, all of a sudden you wander off to some form of uh, some form of recovery, some form seeking some form of redemption through therapy, through residential therapy. Well, this we, we borrowed this idea from the Americans, I think. Um, no, the uh, Americans we'll, go into rehab. They go into well, rehab. You know, we go into we go into psychiatric counselling. Oh, We're very depressed. We become very distinction without a difference. But you know, and, uh, <laughs> I know you. you know, no, no, they, they put them in rehab where they keep them off the booze. Um, uh, wherever this guy's gone, I don't know. He's got. He, look, he's got a long history of this. He was actually convicted of forgery. 
many years ago while he was at the Australian at, at, at that current affair, um, and uh, most recently, I think over about ten to about ten years ago, uh, he was involved at a Channel Nine party where he allegedly exposed himself. Um, and uh, and uh, there have been other concerns about his behaviour at, at, at a, I believe, a 2GB party, and sort of all was forgiven. He is a sort of loudmouth shock jock, Jack. So is this, is this peculiar to loudmouth shock, shock jocks that they think they can just kind of walk into a room and just take it over? Um, I think there's a little bit of that in it. It's just something that... Um, some people suffer from it's a seasonal seasonal illness I think around the Christmas party season. Well, after after one of his uh, um, earlier Mr. Moose, which saw him lose his job at uh, GB, uh, he said that he drank champagne and red wine and it, it made him manic and and so forth. You know, and uh, uh, what's the answer? The answer is not just don't do it. You know, mm. if you know you got to behave, and this this guy he's not a kid. You know, we we could put some of our um, uh, uh, some of our uh, drunken behaviour down to uh, the, the silliness of youth, but this guy's not a kid. He must know he's got a problem. Yeah, um, uh, almost invariably during the Christmas season, and um, uh, in my lawyering days, some young fella, um, and it was probably me a couple of times, would make a bit of a goose of himself at one of the Christmas functions. You're out there every night going to Christmas functions. It's part of the networking thing you've got to do. Well, this was a particular work, for, and, and, and the HR person that this guy said, uh, you know, behave yourselves. Uh, some level of decorum is required, but uh, um, I think one of the points you make there is quite right. I mean, he'd been on the booze for what seems to be about seven or eight hours, mm. and that's never going to end well. No, no, that's the multiple Christmas functions in one day um, uh, uh, mistake. Yeah. Yeah, look... Um, uh, Christmas parties, they, they have changed. The, the nature of them, you're talking about stuff going back 30, 40 years. And, uh, I am. And, uh, and, they, were, and, they were pretty freewheeling in those days, I've just got to be said. But they're not now, though. They're not no, they're nowadays. not. And, uh, and, and so they're not those sort of boozy affairs. I mean, look, I did see some of the photos on the, uh, the Daily Mail, which was uh, basically chortling away at... Uh, at uh, Chris Smith's uh, uh, <coughs> predicament, um, uh, but there were photos taken by various uh, uh, Sky News personalities, uh, including Rita Panahi, who took a photo of the barmate and um, and the booze that was available. It was a substantial amount of alcohol, um, and that seems to fly in the face of. Well, I'm going to say the Sky News. I'm going to say the Sky News Christmas party next year will. It'll probably be a picnic um, and BYO. Mm. Yeah, quite possibly. People tend to learn from this a bit, yeah. Well, what happens to Chris Smith now, Jack? Oh, I don't know. Um, that's a matter for the the, the, the radio station. Oh, he's going to be on Sky News. Is he? Yeah, look, he it's was. A for Sky. He, he, he's he's. I think he's got a, a weekly show on Sky News. He was due to take over um, uh, Ben Fordham's uh, drive show in the Christmas break, and, and all that's been put on hold. I, I can't see a way back from him. In fact, I think Rita Panay made a statement today that she doesn't want to work with him. Uh, um, Andrew Bolt has said. Uh, uh, yeah, go and get yourself better, but don't do it here. Uh, goodbye, good luck. 
uh, and uh, and it seems like uh, at least uh, the staff at Sky have spoken. Yeah, well, if, you, if your teammates don't want to play with you, that's it. <laughs> that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, look, it comes on top. But, of but he, he, he might go off somewhere else and, you know, if, if you've got the skill to be a broadcaster, he might find a job, you know. Hard to know where, Jack. Will Kenya? <laughs> yeah, well, it might. I reckon the Will Kenya DJ they got there would be better than him. Um, yeah, um, uh, look, it's uh, it, 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 it's just an awful story. Apparently, he copped a smack across the chops for his trouble too, um, according to reports. Who, whoever the one of the women that he sort of accosted uh, has, uh, has 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 given him a slap. Uh, for it, which he richly deserved by the sounds of things. Um, so, yes, I would think it's the very end of Christmas career, Jack. Convicted of forgery. That's a rarity, isn't it, Jack? Convicted of forgery. Hmm. Uh, do you remember the story? He, he was uh, basically, um, I think, uh, had forged uh, a request to enter a prison. Um, and I think the forgery came from his EP. So he, he'd forged signatures in order to obtain an interview with a prisoner and was subsequently ah. convicted of that. So moral. So over, over eager, an over-eager reporter, did we have one of those? Did it? Well, you can't do it that way. You can't do it that way. You can't. You know, I mean, get the story by 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 whatever means, but they've got to be fair uh, mm. and don't involve a lot of criminality. Um, uh, we're just going to move on now to a discussion about excess deaths, which sends shivers up my spine because it. This is stuff that cookers have latched onto and, and, and are indicating that it is part of the vaccine. I have looked at the figures. The ABS provisional figures say that in 2022, uh, there were 128,797 deaths that occurred by 31 August um, and were registered by 31 October. That's important, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um uh, and uh, it, the the number of deaths is seventeen percent more than the baseline average. Now, people are getting very concerned about this. There was a bit of a bit of an article in news.com.au which was not terribly helpful. It was quoting um, it was quoting an insurance person, wasn't it? Um, I think uh, so. Yeah, uh, an actuarist um, who was who was wondering about all of this stuff. Um, the twenty twenty deaths were down. So with these are statistical anomalies. How we describe them, how 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 we can explain them, is not immediately uh, not immediately clear. But for example, um, these things just to indicate that these things do go up and do go down. Uh, in twenty twenty, um, deaths for that period were I think something like seventeen hundred down. Now, but this is. Um, uh, 17,000 deaths and at 12.4 above the historical average. Um, it would seem perhaps one of the reasons for it is that uh, there's uh, uh, much more mortality associated with COVID than we had perhaps realised. Um, we probably need to have a better look at the stats as they come through, Jack. Yeah, look, they're, they're, they're a step ahead of us in the UK, I think, and looking at what the causes there were. 
Um, and I, I suspect the same thing is going to be in Australia. I think the cookers, not for the first time, are on the wrong track. I don't think it's anything to do with the vaccine. It's to do with the lockdown and the um, uh, slowdown in diagnosis of particularly cancer and cardiac conditions. All right. Um, and well. and, and it's, it's the, the failure to diagnose, as we know with cancers and with some cardiac conditions, getting an early diagnosis means the difference between um, uh, we can make you comfortable, but there's nothing we can do, and uh, look, uh, just uh, check in tomorrow and we'll fix this for you. you know? I had a rather heated argument on Twitter with some clown about this. I actually was, I actually received, I was, I received cancer surgery during a lockdown. Right. Yeah. So in that process, I, I was diagnosed uh, <coughs> uh, through scans. Uh, I was asked to undertake an MRI, which I did. It was a highly specialised MRI that really only a few clinics could make available. Uh, and really, it is to the credit of everyone uh, that was looking after me uh, <coughs> at Westmead and Westmead Private and also all the way up to... Uh, to the New South Wales uh, um, uh, Minister for Health, Brad Hazard, I actually sent a request to him to basically, would the state cover the cost of this MRI, which is incredibly expensive? It was an MRI of the penis, not to put too fine a point on it, Jack. Um, all of these things went extremely well. I mean, I had the surgery, I had my urethra removed, surgically removed, the cancer with it. Um, so my personal story is one of utter success. Now, what what seems to be the case, and I'm, look, we're now moving on to this um, uh, Lancet it's, it's, report. It's sort of, sort of different to what you're talking about is what they've discovered in the UK at least, and they've got the figures in the UK, is people just weren't going to the doctor. So that, they weren't getting... That, that, so that they may well getting, be the case, but it's it, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, so basically if someone's being treated for cancer, as I was... Those treatments continue. Those scans will continue. You yep. go and do them. Now, if someone's saying, "Oh, I've got this lump on my, you know, on my leg, uh, uh, because of lockdown, I'm not going to go and see a doctor." Well, whose fault's that? I mean, it's not as if the doctors weren't available. I mean, in this country, um, uh, basically uh, during lockdown, that was one of the things that you could go and do: go and see your doctor. Yeah, well, we haven't got the figures yet in, the, in Australia, but we certainly do in the UK. And the diagnosis num numbers were well and truly down, and down to about the same percentage of the excess deaths we're finding. But not all these, not all these can not, not all these excess deaths in Australia are down to down to cancer. I mean, they're, they're, no. they're actually down to uh, higher levels of dementia. That's one of the big. That's one of the big upticks. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, when we're talking about two separate things, we need to separate this. And what I'm saying is, you cannot blame the state, you cannot blame a health department if people are uh, becoming aware of symptoms that might uh, that might uh, indicate that they have an illness. We can go go forward with the cancer thing, but they're not going to get treatment. They're not going for diagnosis, and they're not going for diagnosis. And whose fault's that? It's not the states. Can't be the health department. 
Yeah, well, we'll we'll have to wait and see what the figures. The, the figures are already in in the UK. We know what's happening in the UK. Yeah, um, but I mean, what, 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 what I'm saying is that it's, you can't blame the NHS. You can't blame you can't blame GPs. You can't blame governments for this. If people are, oh, I think it, I, I think in the UK you can blame the NHS. Why? Uh, because people couldn't get to see their doctors. Doctors weren't doing in person um, uh, patient reviews. What the, They're still not. <laughs> I don't know how you get on with your doctor, mate, but you don't have to, really. And if that person says, you need to go and get a CT scan or you need to go and get an MRI or you need to go and get an ultrasound because I think you – because let's say, you know, you are presenting with symptoms that would indicate you may have a cancer. I mean, you know, you can do all this stuff over the phone. Uh, and what I'm saying is that there were, there were, if there, for the most part, you've got an aversion of people to to go and seek to go and seek treatment because they were perhaps convinced that going out into the public or going into a medical clinic where they might uh, where they might have to interact with other people might be considered high risk. Maybe that's maybe that's an excuse. But if people are presenting with symptoms and then don't proceed to seek any form of diagnosis uh, through through the whole myriad of diagnostic elements that are available to them, whose fault's that? Uh, the lowest um, uh, cumulative excess deaths in the OECD were in Sweden. I mean, again, what does that mean? I mean, are, are no you lockdown. looking at this, means, are you looking no at this in December 2022? So, so, so you, what I'm saying is, one, you don't have the data. You simply don't have the data. To make Ooh. that conclusion, to, to make any conclusion that somehow Sweden got it absolutely right, when basically I'm not sure. I don't think anybody got it absolutely right. Yeah, but I think the lockdowns, by and large, were wrong. They're wrong in China now, and we can see that they're wrong in China now, um, and, and no one agrees with them in China. But they were wrong when we were doing them as well. That, that, I mean, it's just it's just rearview mirror stuff, mate. I mean, yeah, you know, it's real it is, easy. We need to very, need very to easy. And, and, and I take you back to February 2020, all the way to really December of 2020, and beyond into January, February, March in this country. There were no vaccines. There, 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 we had a highly infectious disease running around the place. I don't know what else the public health response was supposed to be. I mean, it's easy enough to say, oh, no, we would have been fine, and you know, because there's no measure for that. There's no measure for the mistakes that you would have made. You know, the, no measure, the, the only measure we, we could have is a hypothetical on, on, on fatalities. That the reason we do rear vision mirror views of these things is not, in my view, to say, oh, X person or Y person was at fault. We do them to work out what went wrong so we don't make the same mistake the next time. Well, let's, start, let's, let's stay in the review mirror. We had a pandemic for 12 months where there were no vaccines developed and it was actually a miracle that within 12 months we did have vaccines. Um, <clears throat> so what would you have done with a highly infectious respiratory uh, virus uh, viral infection running through a community, what would you have done? Well, I think there were plenty of people who were pointing to a better direction, which was to have society move along as much 
as, as closely as possible to normal whilst protecting the vulnerable because we know who were dying. All right, so it where did the that elder, happen? Elderly and the immunocompromised. And where, and where did that happen? And what? And, and so when we were looking at excess deaths in Sweden, I mean, their, their aged care facilities were absolutely ruined. Yep. High levels. As they high were in levels. a lot of places. High levels. And if we look at various places in the United States, I mean, the, the, the notion that COVID is over is absolutely is absolutely a nonsense. It's running rampant through, running rampant through uh, aged care facilities in Australia right now. Um, the, the notion that it's over and that the data is complete and we can we can sit back and have a long hard look in the mirror and go, oh, gee, didn't we get all this stuff wrong? I mean, well, I think we need to start doing that. Yes. Well. I don't think that we've got any proper understanding. Of, I mean, we're looking at excess deaths here and saying, well, we're not quite sure. I mean, why would there be elevated excess deaths and dementia, Jack? I mean, how can you attribute that to the pandemic? Oh, I don't think you can, but I think you can look at excess deaths as a really good measure of how badly things are going. And the, the numbers were up. But you're looking at one specific element, and that is cancer diagnosis, right? I've told you my own story, right? Yeah. I've just told you my own story. How yeah, I, I mean, I, I could I, not have been treated any better, and that was yeah. right in the middle of a lockdown in New South Wales. Mm. I could not have been treated any better. I actually got hold of Brad Hazard's staff and said, look, I've got a problem. I've got a really expensive MRI. There's only one or two places in Sydney that will offer this, and really, I, right now, I can't afford it. And they actually wrote to West Westmead Private and said, have this guy and we'll take care of it. And that's yeah, not well, something that was extended to me because I'm a journalist or I work at the Australian or anything like that. That is something that anybody can do if they uh, if, if they can make contact with uh, with uh, with the health minute with the, with the minister for health office. Um, what so, the actuaries, what the actuary in this case is doing is not looking at an individual case, but looking at what happens across the whole of the. Well, what I'm saying, country. what I'm saying of that piece from news.com.au, that I mean, the piece from the actuary there makes you know no conclusions. There are there are zero conclusions to be made, and basically in the quotes is saying, "Well, we're going to have to get some more data," and that's the yeah, that's what that's we exactly need to do. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 and, and my point is that the data, the, the data collection in the UK is ahead of us, and we know what they're finding, and I suspect it'll be the same in Australia. But that's now we're talking about something that's absolutely separate. I mean, this is the, a Lancet study about cancer diagnosis, right? And they were seeing that cancer diagnoses were down during the pandemic years, lockdowns 2020, 2021, right? That, that, that they so diagnoses down. There's been a number of studies in the UK that their data is ahead of what we are in terms of pulling it, pulling it together, and that's the conclusion they're coming to. Now, I think it'll happen in Australia as well. I might be wrong. Right. Well, what I'm saying is that definitely, we definitely need more data on that. What, what I'm saying is the public health response to to uh, you know, it's just one of those things that you can't do in the review mirror without at least having some experience of what you were dealing with at the time. Now, when I say people in lockdown were not noticing symptoms, you know, so if you if you have symptoms of heart heart disease and so forth, perhaps those people weren't leaving the home. Are you trying to tell me that in the NHS, people were saying reaching out to doctors and saying? oh, we can't deal with you right now because we're dealing with a pandemic. 
that's exactly what was happening in parts of the NHS, exactly right. Where, where was that happening? I mean, with, where with was GPs. that happening? I mean, we people need specific people examples. Could, people couldn't get appointments even with the GP. Well, we, we moved into something called phone consultations and so forth, which, which would be adequate because basically you would, say, you would be saying to people, you will need to go and get a scan. You will need to get some sort of diagnostic imaging done to determine what, what, what sort of problems that you've got. There may well have been delays at emergency, medis- at emergency medical centres, um, but in Australia if you're saying it's going to be exactly the same in your view, in Australia, during lockdowns, that was one place you could go. You could go and see your doctor. You could go and see, you could go and see, uh, you could go and see a diagnostic imaging centre. There were no problems. There were no restraints on any of this. Yeah, no, well, I'll, I'll put it as plainly as I can. We, the UK are further down the track than us. They've got a pretty good handle on what's gone wrong. Um, and, I th- and, and we've got the excess deaths, and I suspect we might find at least part of those excess deaths are caused by the same thing the UK are finding. But some of those but, things but, are not down we'll, to... We'll but, but, but if, we're looking at, if, we're, if we're looking at excess deaths, there are also particular problems in reporting, right? So when we yeah. are looking at deaths for this year, right, there are particular problems with reporting. There are, there, in, in terms of um, the... Um, uh, the, uh, the the cause of death. There are particular problems in record, in reporting that. So so if we look at something broadly like dementia, for example, uh, that someone dies of dementia, people rarely die of dementia itself, but that is listed as a cause of death. Mm. And it really it would be something like renal failure. It might be something like viral pneumonia. So, so what we're actually seeing here, the little bits we do know, and if we look at 2021 as well, um, um, uh, <coughs> what, what we're seeing is respiratory illnesses down, uh, incidence of uh, some cancers, not all, up um, dementia through the roof. So I'm saying that there's a pro- there's probably a failure in reporting. There's a problem that well, Good not a failure, but there, there'll be a problem in the in 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 the reporting of the cause of death, and it is problematic as you would ex, as you would expect. It's problematic at any given time. Let's just take an aged care facility where a doctor pronounces someone dead, and the cause of death is well, this person's had long had had, had long contact with uh, dementia. Uh, had suffered dementia for a very long period of time. But that may not be the cause of death. The, the cause of death may be renal failure. Heart yeah, failure. well, I think the Queen's cause of death on her on her death certificate says old age. Um, well, there's no, that, there's no that, such thing. It's not, it's, yes, I that's know, right. that, that's, 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 that's House of Winds of bullshit. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that, that, that's sort of saying that she didn't have cancer or that she mm. didn't have a heart condition. Hmm. Um, uh, so and, but, the, but this happens quite a bit. Doctors are, doctors are not going to investigate why a 96-year-old dies. They just die. So deaths due to dementia, including Alzheimer's disease, were 12.5% above the baseline average in August this, this year and 18.9% above the baseline average for the year to August. So that, that's in that sort of 2021 yep. period. This equated to an age-standardised death rate of 42 uh, per 100,000 people compared to a baseline average rate of four. Deaths due to diabetes were 11.9% above average in August, Jack, and were 20.8% higher than the baseline average for the year to August. 
uh, <clears throat> well, the number of deaths due to cancer was above the baseline average in August, above the baseline, the age standard eight standardised rate of 12.7 per 100,000 people was below the baseline average rate of 13%. That's the ABS. Mm. So I, I don't see anything here. Deaths due to cere uh, cerebrovascular disease were 9.2% lower when compared to the average count in August. There were 247 deaths due to influenza and pneumonia in August, which is 44% below the baseline average. We can understand that because people were away from crowds. You know, crowds didn't exist because of lockdowns, etc. Mm. Of those deaths, 14 were due to influenza, which would be well and truly down. Um, pneumonia, and I, and I just, I mean, what are we doing in terms of cause of death there? What are we calling viral pneumonia? Is that the killer or is it COVID? I mean, what it, it, it really depends on what the doctor writes on the test certificate, and that's the it. it. That's it. Yeah, but... Uh, well, this is all fine details, but the, the headline figure is a 13% increase in excess deaths, which is unusual. Well, we've got, we, we, we got deaths due to cancer below the baseline average. Below. So we've got a large number of deaths due to dementia, including Alzheimer's. That's, that's, really, that's really strange. One, we need to, far more data. And if you're saying that what's what's... What's occurring in the UK, which I, which much of which I doubt for a start, is actually going to be represented here in Australia. Those figures, those figures I just quoted to you, do not reflect any similarity in terms of right. instances we'll, we'll, of cancer. We'll wait to see when the, as the as the figures come in. Yeah, right. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I really get a bit annoyed with this kind of let's have a look, let's have a review of 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 of, 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 of management. I, look, I think one of the worst things they did was shut the country down. But it's all it's all in hindsight. It's easy in hindsight. And and but there's, uh, a re but there's a reason we do it. We don't want to make the same mistake again. And to be honest, we can look across the border and see what China's been doing up until last week, and it's easy to see that that's been an error. But we were making the same error. Well, I don't know what other what other response was there. I mean, we were we were talking about a highly uh, highly infectious viral uh, transmission of a disease. I mean, yeah. you could well, say that well, there was what, a what I thought was right at the time, and what I still think is right. And we're going to we're not going to we should end this conversation because we're not going to agree about it. What I thought we should have been doing at the time was protecting the vulnerable and as much as possible getting everybody else back to normal. Well, there's lots to learn there. I mean, there's lots to learn just in, just in terms of that. But but in February in February 2020, Jack, we didn't know what the vulnerable groups were going to be. We didn't know it. We did pretty quickly afterwards. We, we knew who didn't was dying. know at that stage. We didn't well, know. We, we certainly had no idea of transmissions and, and effects on children. We had no idea at that stage. Well, certainly not too far off from it. Certainly in Hong Kong, we knew who was dying. It was the elderly who were dying. And that, and that, and that, yeah, we, we certainly did. But I'm, I'm asking you to put yourself in February, March, April of 2020, when lockdowns were, were becoming the standard across the world, and saying, well, what did we know about this and how it was going to attack and, and, and who the vulnerable ones were? Because if we normally, if we look at some kind of influenza type virus, what we'll be looking at is death rates among the elderly and among the very young. Now that didn't come through COVID, the very young that is, um, and 
but we didn't have that data. We just did not have that information at the time. Oh, we had it soon enough, soon enough to avoid the very long lockdowns that Australia went through. Well, basically, once we get to... You're I, not going to change my mind, I'm afraid. We, 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 once we get to a vaccine rate where, where, where we could basically open up, which is pretty much what Australia did, you know, I mean, there were problems with the rollout and there were problems with the vaccines initially. I mean, there were, you know, not not problems with the vaccines, but, but there were uh, issues around... Uh, issues around some some of the vaccines um, uh, causing causing health problems, particularly for sort of middle aged and younger men. Um, but once we got that rollout happening, you know, we we, we basically opened up. I mean, I, I don't know that you fully understand the sheer number of people in, in in the country at any given time, in whether it's in Hong Kong or in Australia, who suffer from um, um, comorbidities, who, who suffer from um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, issues around their own health, and I don't know what those people were going to be expected to do under your policy. You know, if you were going to come up with one, I don't know what you would have expected them to do. Just you know, well, wander, wander off, wander, wander off, go back to work and die. No, no, they were the people who should have been staying away from work, not yeah, but the whole where, where, of the country. Where was the mention of this? I mean, where, where could you have done this? I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's simply not enough to say we got things wrong, we got things wrong, and, and then just come up with no, no, no idea on how you might have gone about it and other than to say, oh, well, we should have put some money into aged care facilities because that's basically where you are at the moment. The rest of the stuff, people with comorbidities, people with pre-existing health conditions that might have put them at risk, those things are very, very difficult to know. Those things are Im- almost impossible to know with people with heart conditions that are not diagnosed. So what you'll be asking those people to do on what we understand of COVID now is to go into the community and basically get ill, very seriously ill, and if not, die. I think that I think that the approach of protecting the known vulnerable and getting society back to work would have been better all around. That's my view, and I'm not going to change it, so let's no. move on. All right. Well, there's, your, there's, there's the numbers, and we had a deeper, deeper look at them. We'll keep an eye on the, the cancer numbers in Australia, but at this stage, there are no instance, uh, no elevated instances of cancer. There are no e- elevated instances of failures to diagnose cancer. Um, there are, I would say, if you wanted to have a proper discussion about uh, the level of CT scans that are made, being made available to people, and we're not just talking about people with cancer, but in all sort of diagnostic settings, um, then you've got a very good argument to say that people have been, been using these things a little bit too often uh, <laughs> and that a GP will refer you to a CT scan when really your specialist would prefer you to do an MRI. And there are profound pro- policy lapses around that that encourage this sort of spate of CT scan because we bought too, we bought too we many, bought too many in the, the <laughs> government, the Howard government encouraged the, the CT scans to come in. You're actually, and if you're going to spend that money, you've got to use the damn thing. Yeah, exactly right, and that's that's part of the problem, and, and that's something I, I sort of you know when you see kids that are in their twenties and they've had they've had a dozen CT scans, you know, and they're not they're not they're not 
unwell necessarily, but they've had a dozen CT scans. They've got a fair amount of radiation in them. From there. Oh, it's a beautiful piece of equipment. You've got to, you've got to have someone going through it, mate. Oh, I don't like MRIs, mate. They're terrible. They're no, I'm not, I'm not so good on the we, – we have the new MRI machine here. I look forward to the, the new the, ones. That doesn't mean you've got to get put into the tube. I'm no good in the tube, mate. I, I don't like the tube at all. I have to have they're, so, they're, so much they're, Valium. They're just a better yeah, global shortage well, of Valium by the time I've finished. Xanax they give me. I think we think we ran the, the whole whole SAR out of Xanax to get me in there. GP said take two and then take two and then take two. And I just doubled it. Um, and uh, I was uh, – uh, I got through what I'm, was – Hour and a half in the MRI, having my penis scanned, Jack. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not so good with the confined spaces, mate. You know, no, and not, that not noise. Very, well, I'm scared. I'm scared of confined and open spaces and heights, and uh, and then I really don't like being um, uh, and depths. Depths are terrible too. Um, yeah, all I right. haven't tried that yet, but I, they tell me it's not much good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, look, that's claustrophobia. I mean, you know, popping the. Popping the uh, the aqua kit on and uh, uh, and, uh, and down in, and, and going down there scuba equipment I should say going down to uh, depths no not for me thank you very much um, all right the the lemon case Jack uh, the battle is going on in the media uh, and uh, more so it, it would seem that uh, there may be an investigation into the police and what they were up to in the ACT um, certainly the uh, the DPP I believe has called for one. Yeah, I think, and I think the police association uh, in the ACT have also called for one. Everyone wants an inquiry now, uh, except the people who can call the inquiry, <laughs> which is the ACT government. Yes, uh, and and no one else. I mean, it's not as if the New South Wales government can uh, can do all, anything. All the about feds it really all. can't. Feds, yeah, yeah. So what happens? You know, what's going to happen? Is this is going to end up in? Well, there, there is, I believe, a, a civil litigation coming from the Higgins camp. Yeah, and, and and the possibility of uh, of civil litigation coming from the Lehman um, uh, lawyers as well. Mm. Um, that's kind of where it's going to end, isn't it? You know, in a in a sort of a civil bun fight, um, and it's sort of a fairly unsatisfactory arrangement all all, all round for pretty much all all takers. Yeah, it is. Um, um, how much does this look like? A, a run. I mean, look. We understand the context of this parliament, political staffers, etc. How much of this, Jack, represents a sort of run-of-the-mill, indecent or alleged indecent assault or sexual assault uh, matter? I mean, we we know reporting uh, of uh, of uh, sexual assaults rose for a period uh, coming into uh, the early part of the twenty-first century. And then that's declined again. I mean, women, uh, 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 and, and there were better investigative methods, but still not perfect. I mean, these crimes are not being uh, often investigated because I guess because we've got low levels of reporting again. Is this the lesson from this case, Jack? Don't report. Oh, the, the, the lesson from this case is that the way the case was conducted um, failed. Um, and a fair bit of the fault with that, I'm afraid, lies with the media. If, and to be honest, if this was a, a sexual assault that didn't happen in Parliament House in a minister's office, but happened in a, an accountant's office in, um, uh, you know, in suburban uh, Canberra, um, it wouldn't have got the same coverage. 
Yeah, I look, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And uh, we've talked about a number of journalists, uh, what we might call celebrity journalists, Jack, uh, uh, who uh, conducted themselves in ways that I wonder how they, uh, how they sleep at night. Yeah, the lesson for me out of all this is if you want to conduct a trial by mob in the conventional media and on social media, you probably won't get a real trial. That's the, that's the choice that journalists have got to make. Yeah, I, I, look, I, look I, I see exactly what you're saying. My issue, would, my, I would extend that to say that, that these matters are very, very difficult to prosecute generally. So even if, even if you had um, uh, uh, none of the media intrusion and none of the curiosity about, uh, about the victim or in, in, and indeed the alleged offender, um, these things are very, very difficult to prosecute at the best of times. They are difficult, um, and I think the courts do a relatively good job, a better job than they did a generation ago at dealing with them. It's far from perfect, but they're very difficult cases to conduct hearings for. Um, but uh, once you once you put it in the once you have a mob trial first, the chances of getting a, a real trial happen properly are, are pretty slim. Um, so that's the choice I think the media have got to make with this sort of stuff is you want a mob trial, you won't get a real trial. Other side of that coin, Jack, is that there was a huge amount of what the media would uh, what the media would explain as a, a great deal of public interest. Yep. So yes, um, but I think but, absolutely you're right when you when you get through when you get through this, it's that sort of early intervention of the media that caused a lot of the problems in terms of in terms of the legal process. Moving overseas now, Jack. The EU, it's it can't be can't be bent can't be bent. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd say it's bent. I'd say that. Um, uh, it's a strange organisation, the European Parliament. Um, it has a lot of people who are kind of ex-politicians from their own country, sort of failed politicians. Most they of get, them are anti-EU, Jack. The yeah, blokes who they, end up uh, in the MEP. Or they're and they get shunted upstairs. It's sort of, mm. You sort of get promoted um, uh, to a... In fact, the head of the EU, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, was a sort of a failureist defence minister in, in Germany. So they had to find something forward to do, so they sent her to the EU. You know, um, and, uh, so, so there have been five members arrested in a. Oh, don't tell me the Qataris are corrupt. Do two, Jack. Come on. Oh yeah, that's well, really. No, open, oh, this is really. I'm chair. starting to open my eyes here. So <laughs> Qataris have been involved in corruption. Is this going to do with the World Cup? I don't think so. It's no, so no. it's just sorry. It's a run of the mill um, Qatari slash Emirates uh, bit of bit of bribery, bit of money passing hands uh, with an, with five members of the uh, of the EU uh, arrested in, in in this jail. Yeah, the the Belgian newspaper Leco um, reported on Saturday that several bags full of notes were found at one of the MPs Brussels Cash. home. Yeah. Um, a, a, after they caught her father carrying a large amount of money in a suitcase. Yeah, just, uh, you can't do it in the brown paper bags anymore. You need no, a no, suitcase. Look, yeah, well, the, the, the brown paper bag isn't big enough. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can't get a big enough one. And, and of course, you know, the good thing about the brown paper bag is it always re it's reusable, Jack. Yes, yes. Um, but, uh, but you need something a little larger for this kind of coin. So another scandal hits the EU um, and... Um, yeah, several bags full of money. 
uh, were found at Ms Carley's Brussels home. Uh, well, it's, this will all play out in the courts, of course, and we want to don't want to jump in and make a premature adjudication, but no. uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun as it goes through. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, yes, when the when the Qataris are involved, um, sure, you don't always expect things to be squeaky clean, Jack. No, uh, um, that, this is a problem through the Middle East. <laughs> it's a cultural problem. Yes. Well, at the same time. Um, those in the EU would know that receiving bribes wasn't a cultural was a cultural issue. That the that the the act of receiving a bribe would actually be an illegal would actually be a criminal offence. We would we would hope that a, a member of the European Parliament would understand that. All right. Yes, we would hope that's true. Sri Lanka's uh, conditions, Jack. Uh, where are they now with? Uh, uh, economically and where are, where are they now is the world bank uh, or the imf come to uh, come to the rescue yet well the, the imf standing ready to um, uh, to deal with them but the the sri lankan government still negotiating with uh, its debtors uh, including china and india etc uh, but the world bank um, uh, has said that the economy contract uh, the, the sri lankan economy contracted by 9.2% this year, and it will, will contract by a further 4.2% oh, in 2023. That's, that's very tough. That's depression. That's, that, that is a depression. 9.2% yeah. sustained. There is no specific um, trigger for a depression in terms of uh, economic outcomes or, or figures, but a 9.2% um, uh, shrinking of the economy, of Sri Lanka's economy, um, for well, is that when they're talking about this year? I presume it's twenty twenty two. No, that was for that was for twenty twenty two. So twenty twenty two, their their economy has shrunk by almost ten percent, and uh, and and in twenty twenty three, it will shrink by four point two percent, almost half uh, half of that. And and really, there's only just pain there, isn't there? That's just it's just a, a serious amount of pain. Yeah, well, they're, they're moving in the right direction. For starters, the numbers are at least moving in the right direction. Well, but, yeah, yeah. Um, the the new uh, uh, leader there, Mr. Wickramer Singer, um, has uh, they're moving to try and integrate Sri Lanka um, into um, by trade means with India, etc. India, China, um, and other Southeast Asian nations, Thailand, etc. Um, to try and kickstart the economy, and I think that's the right approach. I think, uh, in terms of money owed, the Chinese, are, the Chinese government, are running it around about less than ten percent of their total creditors. But um, uh, I, I presume some of it would be European money as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. Well, keep an eye on Sri Lanka. It is. I would say my, my headline for Sri Lanka is that um, they're making the right moves. Um, they haven't got them done yet. They're trying for a free trade agreement with Singapore and they're doing something similar with Thailand. But they are on the right approach. Mm. And we're just going to have to hope, hope that the, the airfares come down and the rest of the world um, gets keen on travelling again um, because the, the tourism industry might be their saviour. Well, that's just getting on to that. I mean, I, 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 uh, I was looking at this issue of, of ticket prices and, and so actually, Jack, 
The reason why um, flights are so expensive at the moment is because of the increased demand. And it's not just compared to pandemic times, but you're actually looking at an increased demand from uh, as compared to 2019. So there's a huge... Well, and, and a supply problem, and that's because they, they shut down so much of their own businesses to yep. survive, yep. and you can't just... Um, uh, you can't just turn the key on a on a on a a, 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 a seven forty seven and say, well, you know, we'll take it out of the garage and put it back to work. It, it all takes time to get that. Now they've got to re-employ pilots, re-employ cabin staff, and get the planes going, and that takes time. It, look, there's a little bit of time there, but the other the other big factor is cost of fuel, Jack. The other cost of aviation yep. fuel, and I was just looking, um, I think Qantas actually spent over a billion dollars just in their in their fuel bills this year. Um, uh, so, yes, we've got huge demand. People want to fly again, but it's bloody expensive. Uh, yep. I looked at flights just to go down to Melbourne, mate, and uh, just went, nah, it's just out of the car, I think. Um, very, very expensive, almost $1,000 uh, one way. Yeah, well, I'm saving money. I'm the Greta Thunberg of Hong Kong. You know, I don't fly anywhere. You know. <laughs> Fair enough. Very good. Um, yeah, uh, it, look, I've got to ask this, Jack. If we go over to the United States, is Trump is Trump finished, or is he? Is he just sort of? Is he or is he just started to walk towards the, the I'm finished line? I think he's look. I, I was reading the distinguished. Um, uh, uh, British journalist Andrew Neil a couple of days ago, and he thinks he's pretty much finished. And I think that's probably right. Um, uh, I had a good look at the uh, at the voting figures from Georgia, uh, and Georgia was where they where the, the Republicans lost their last chance of evening the Senate out. Um, mm, yeah, uh, and um, their candidate, who was a Trump candidate, the, the American foot, former American football star, um, he's going to lose. Um, when all the votes are counted, he's going to lose his election by you know somewhere something like four percent. But in the same state, um, uh, the, the Republicans did quite well. The governor won by eight percent. Um, the secretary of state won by nine. The attorney general won by five, and all the various commissioners won by a similar margin, seven or eight percent. So the non-Trump Republicans did really quite well. The Trump Republican. Did really very badly. Oh, he was—he uh, was an absolute shocker. Yeah, um, and, and, and and I kind of think that sort of spells the end for spells the end for Trump. It, look, I looked at some of the voting paper stuff in the in, in the runoff election, and uh, Herschel Walker. Well, he was—you know—he pretended to be a police officer. He, you know, in this sort of feigned military career that he got called out on, lied about his. I mean, he was just a he was just a train wreck of a candidate. But, but some of the voting behaviour stuff, when it got to that runoff election and the turnout was much less than it had been uh, during the midterms um, and, 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 and sort of both Democrat and Republican vote was down in the runoff, but the Republican vote was way down. Uh, and and that was really a reflection of the very, very poor candidate that he was. Um, Trump was able to... Uh, Blame the wife on uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz. I don't think he's able to do the same with Herschel Walker. Um, uh, so we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. He's had a shocking, he's had a shocking three weeks, Jack. He's, and we could take it all, uh, we take it all the way back to the midterms. But he's absolutely had a shocker. 
Uh, he's had Nazis round to his place. He said uh, an anti-Semite in the case of Ye or Kenya Walker knocking up, knock, uh, running around in his place. His uh, his his business has been convicted uh, on seventeen counts of tax evasion. Uh, all seventeen, I think they were. Uh, so he's had a shocking time. Um, uh, but more importantly, I think Andrew Neil gets this right. His status as a loser is becoming more imprinted on Republican minds. I think that's absolutely spot on. Well, that was that was kind of kind of where we got to with uh, with the midterms, Jack. I mean, mm. basically, he was. Uh, I forget what he said. He, he got nine wrong out of two hundred and thirty right. Um, he, he's never going to change, and this is this is why he, this is why his candidacy will continue. Is because. That's what he does. That's how he makes money now, and it's, mm. it's gonna it's gonna come it's gonna come crashing down when that ends, and it'll end yeah. either pre-primary or you reckon pre. I, I'm not so sure. I reckon he'll go to perhaps two or three primaries and then get belted, and then what's he do, Jack? Does he call electoral fraud? Electoral fraud well, on the primaries? Probably yeah, give I'm it a sure try, wouldn't he? I'm, I'm sure he'll have an excuse that's not his fault. I did notice that there was a um, Yahoo News YouGov poll um, on uh, on on the you know predicting what will yeah. happen in a Republican primary, mm. and Trump is on 35 percent with Republicans yeah. or independents leaning Republican. Yeah, uh, but DeSantis, Mon DeSantis, the Florida governor, is just five points behind on 30 percent which is a pretty good number this early in the race. What we're talking about there is name recognition. So essentially yep. that's 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 why Trump uh, looms pretty large in in um, uh, in polling, particularly among Republicans. It's hard to know quite just how much of, of the Republican vote is rusted on. So there still remains that threat that he will uh, that if you know take his bat and ball and go home and and uh, and and that that might split the Republican vote, and less likely is that he would run as a sort of independent candidate. Um, but it's pretty pretty impressive from DeSantis to have name recognition good enough to get within five five percent already. Yeah, he, Trump's figures among independents. Um, obviously not Democrats. Terrible. It's not Democrat, absolutely terrible. And, mm. and that means, you know, he, 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 they just can't win a presidential election. Uh, <clears throat> um, uh, uh, <laughs> can't win a presidential election uh, like that. And the Wall Street Journal's been busy, Jack, having a, having a, having a slag off at uh, one of their competitors. Well, um, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, I think Trump will be gone before long, but this is going to cost the media a fair bit. I know. I know. Um, uh, the Washington Post has lost 500,000 subscribers since Trump left office. That's 20% of their subscribers. It's pretty cheap too. I don't know if you're a subscriber. I, I am. And it, it, it's, it doesn't, hurt the, uh, doesn't hurt the wallet too much, the, the WAPO. And neither is the New York Times. So they're, they're actually quite small subs. Um, they had amazingly large subs throughout the pandemic and throughout the 2020 um, presidential election. So they're coming off pretty big highs. That's true. But Trump has been really very, very good to um, uh, the I mainstream know. media. I know. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be publishers in the business who'll be crying. They'll be, you know, God, you know, you're going to have to go down a different route. We're going to have to find someone. But, 
Yeah, look, uh, you take Trump out there, and I mean, DeSantis allegedly boring, according to the Atlantic. You've got Joe Biden who could barely stay awake. I mean, we are just looking at uh, a group of politicians who aren't interesting, Jack. Or as who don't make such great copy as Trump does. Let's be fair, he does make great copy. Yeah. No, absolutely right. I mean, you can if it's a quiet oh, he, news, he, he, if it's a quiet news day, have a look at his Twitter feed and you'll find something. You know, oh, he doesn't. Yeah, he's only on the true socials. But um, look, he is just uh, he is just one of those uh, characters that it, it's like it's like watching a car crash. You, you 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 can't look away. You cannot look away. You. <laughs> All right, what's happening at Twitter, Jack? Um, as Elon Musk gone mad, I get the feeling that he has gone nuts. What did he say the other day that he that, that basically uh, his uh, his his accepted pronouns now were Fauci prosecuted? I think that was right. Uh, I don't think he's gone mad. I think he's actually um, moving more or less in a good direction with Twitter. Um, oh, I think mate. In, term, in, let, in terms of its business, let me tell you, I have got one, two, three, four toxic-looking DMs in my uh, no, none of that. Never used to get any of it. Now, this is all, you know, sort of, oh, hang on, I better go and do this. So help me manage my uh, my crypto fund and all this kind of stuff, you know. Never used to see any of that stuff. That's starting to pour in. I, I actually don't mind the content. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter these days myself. I actually don't mind the content that, you know, the even if it's, you know, sort of, um, you know, some, some, some fairly dangerous people like Marjorie Taylor Greene or what have you, um, just talking absolute shite on this. But the problem I'd still have with Musk is that he is really, you know, firstly, Twitter looks a little shaky while he's there, and, and you know, technically. Uh, and, and, but also, he, he, he's, he's in the disinfo business, mate. That's what he does. And he'll do it selectively. I know you want to talk about the Dems and Hunter Biden's laptop and all that sort of stuff. But the problem is, the problem with all of that is we're not getting any sense of what happened around Brexit. We're not getting any sense of Russian bots in 2016 or 2020. You know, he just doesn't release that. He only drip feeds stuff out that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that suit his political agenda, which is basically a right-wing, libertarian, boring, you know, unintelligent sort of response to, to, to political and social challenges. Do you mean do you mean the stuff that he's releasing from within Twitter? Well, it's is just drip feed. It's just drip feed stuff, but it but it suits his agenda. So the other stuff. Yeah, well, so well, what I'd love to hear from Elon Musk is okay. Tell me what you've done about Russian bots. Tell me what you've done about Russian disinformation, and you will know no, there this. Is. You'll have access to these files, and you haven't released a damn thing about it because yep, suit his agenda. I think that's probably right. I think he is choosing what he what he, what he released. He wants to make a he wants to make an impact. I think. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, so we're just we're getting well over excited about all that's happening on Twitter. Um, the Twitter um, numbers are pretty good. They're holding up. Um, in fact, they're increasing. That's the number of engagements from people. Um, uh, I don't get all that excited about the Hunter Biden laptop um, or um, uh, who from the Democratic National Con National Party was um, uh, contacting Twitter and asking for this or that to happen. I just don't think that's terribly interesting. <laughs> Some people are, though. Jackie. Yeah, I know. People are getting well and truly overexcited about this. Very. The only thing that's a little bit interesting is 
um, uh, is the involvement of FBI uh, briefings. Now, I think that that ought to be looked at by you know by by the the US government at some stage as to whether that was appropriate. But even that's not a really big issue. The big issue is can he make money out of Twitter? That's it. Um, that's it. And and look, he, he can probably even afford the loss if it happens. But uh, you know, a complete and utter destructive loss if it happens. But um, um, but um, um, but but um, but uh, yes, the FBI. I mean, did the FBI actually? Has he got evidence that the FBI actually briefed Twitter, Jack Dorsey, and so forth? There seems to be, yeah, um, and 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 indeed, Mark Zuckerberg said that was happening with um, with Meta or Facebook as well, um, and it's a little bit unclear as to exactly what was said and when, but that's something that's worth looking at. But the rest of it, I don't really care too much about it. One thing I did find was really quite amusing. There was a tweet by a, a chap who um, calls himself John Dean, um, and he oh, says, yes. I'm, looking for, I'm looking for a lawyer or a law firm that will fire, file a class action against Musk. For many of us who were here long before he arrived, he has ruined Twitter in too many ways to explain in a tweet. And the third comment in response to that was, John Dean would do it himself, but he was disbarred after pleading guilty to a <laughs> felony count of obstruction of justice relating to the Watergate cover. He did, did he do it? He actually uh, he assisted uh, prosecutors, didn't he? Did, I don't think, did yeah. he end up in jail? Did he do it? No, I don't think he did, but I think he's long dead. I think it's not the perhaps not the same perhaps John not Dean. The same. No, don't, don't, well, if he's died, he's died recently, Jack, because he became a bit of an MSNBC person. Did he? Um, yeah, no, very, very heavily. Yeah, no, he's still around. He's 84. Yeah, um, yeah. Still, I, I don't think he's tweeting, though. I don't think he's doing the tweets, no. Or Dick, Dick can confuse me a little bit there. Um, uh, because he was sort of politically active, very, I mean, he's a rhino. Uh, uh, um, uh, a Republican in, in uh, name only. No, no, that's not right. No, he's a never Trumper. Um, that's, yes. yeah, that's, that's the best term. He was. Uh, quite uh, pronounced about um look the the trouble with twitter and as 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 is the case with all social media jack is that it's the people themselves who contribute the content and and so when we get to this point about whether we charge people for using you know i mean imagine charging people to use facebook uh imagine people to charging people to use choose Twitter, this whole idea of blue ticks, money for blue ticks, and all that sort of stuff—it's not going to work, um, because 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 it's the people themselves who provide the content, and 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 uh, and Twitter is really just the forum for it, uh, and that's that's why this you know pay pay to post is just ridiculous stuff. It's, it's just completely counter to really any sort of basic. Uh, basic economics or basic sort of um, you know, basic sort of idea of, of trading. So that's yeah. where he's going to come up. That's where he's going. My, to, we'll, we'll, my hunch is he'll make some money out of it, but you know that's only a hunch. Yeah, my, look, my hunch is that, that basically the revenue will dry up because there's too much disinformation there, and then there's really no there's no way to make money out of it. But he can afford the loss. Um, what about Harry and Megan? Now, look, we did ask you, Jack, to provide a detailed report on the Harry and Megan show uh, uh, on uh, Netflix, Jack. Now, have you got that? You watched, watched it all? Have you watched it all yet? 
No, well, I, I watched a fair bit of it. Did you really? Um, how, how, um, how, how long did you get in there in minutes? Uh, I'm not going to fess up to minutes, but my wife had it on and I was kind of half watching it and I watched a little bit more because I thought I should. Um, just to just to keep you informed, mm-hmm. um, it's a work. fairly boring documentary. It's fair to say. Um, uh, These people are in pain, Jack. Yeah. Um, uh, well, the best comment I saw on it was: it's basically several hours of whining by two extremely privileged uh, and wealthy narcissists living a life of tremendous luxury, and that's a bad it, you know. Um, yeah. uh, oh, um, look. If there's must-watch TV, it's but very rich say, people complaining about the complaining about their uh, their lives. I mean, good lord! Yeah, but you've got to say, for a very boring documentary, look at all of the column inches that have been written on it. I know. Look at all, look at all of the t- television coverage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, it's been a great branding and marketing exercise. That, you know, they'll, they'll be writing books about this in the future. Well, how do you how do you get such co- great coverage of such a boring documentary? Oh uh, well, we also had the you know the eighty two year old lady of the bedchamber getting involved in some racist stuff, and that I just thought the timing of that. I'm not suggesting anything contrived, but the you timing. She's on that, a sling. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but the timing of that was superb for this particular documentary. Um, yeah. Inadvertent, I'm sure, but but um, but. Uh, uh, the, the the issue is, I mean, I looked, I look at this every week. Who's lo- you know the the biggest pull of all stories, and when we talk about Donald Trump contributing a lot of money, he was well down the pack this time. And guess was it? Guess what was at at the top? Oh, would it be the what are they what are they hear it described of us as the Woco Mono um, <laughs> uh, show? <laughs> Um, the, the, the best description, the, the, the best little clip from it that I that I thought, uh, and this was picked up by the um, one of the nine newspaper journalists who said, it's hard not to eye roll at a tense scene in a chauffeured car when the couple allege they are being followed by a paparazzi photographer who was ne- never filmed by the cameras they invited to film their invasion yeah. of the photographers. It gets so post- postmodern, one head, head hurts. Um, and that was a highlight of it for me. I've got to say. Oh, look, they were they, 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 they've actually had to snip some footage from other unrelated um, episodes, uh, incidents, uh, because they couldn't come up with the footage that they wanted to make their points. Anyway, yeah. I feel sorry for them, Jack, as yeah, we well, as well. we all should, and perhaps we should start a crowdfund, and we all start throwing some money at these people because that's the only thing they seem to understand. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, so I think it's, as a marketing exercise, it's brilliant. The question remains for the future for them: Do they um, end up like the the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, Edward the Eighth and uh, Wallace Simpson, and just kind of fade away into a sort of a an A minus or B plus level of celebrity? Well, that look uh, to be honest, the, the old uh, the old Edward the Eighth, he was he was a, he was an old school racist from way back, wasn't he? Um, uh, they gave him the governorship of the Bahamas. He threatened to turn. Well, he did actually for a while turn the turn the water off to some of the islands and didn't uh, didn't worry that only black people live there. All right, let's move on to sport, Jack. And there's plenty happening. Um, <coughs> we have the final four in the FIFA World Cup. And yeah. uh, there's two, uh, uh, there's two just burst out of burst out of nowhere, and you got to take your hat off to them, Morocco and Croatia. 
Well, Croatia were pretty good in the last World Cup. Um, I think semi finalists, though. Final? So, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, look, it, it, they are a very, very, very good side in terms of, you know, defensively a great side. So are Moroccans, actually. The Moroccans are basically. And the, and the, Bra- the Brazilians are downhill skiers, always have been. Oh, um, yeah, they are unfair. great when things are going. Great when things are going good for them, but they've lost four of their last five World Cup quarterfinals every time to a European team because the European teams have got more grit and will keep going when things are tough, and the Brazilians just don't. Well, Neymar Neymar dedicated his first goal of the World Cup tournament to J.O. Bolsonaro, Jack. So I just reckon he's copped his right whack. (laughs) <laughs> uh, anyway, um, look, it's it, it's been a great it's been a great World Cup. The football's been terrific. It has uh, been a great tournament. Shame about the venue, but um, but uh, it has been a, a fantastic and an enthralling tournament. Where I think a lot of people who don't often watch uh, soccer, as FIFA calls it, um, that's one of my lines that I like to use. Uh, I've been watching a hell of a lot of it, myself included. Um, yeah, the Brazilians. Um, and uh, and uh, should we have a, just a quick moment silence for for England, Jack? Um, yeah, look, they were pretty good. Uh, uh, a chap in the Guardian got it right um, when he said that, that they played really well and they probably were on top of France in a lot of aspects of the game. But what France were good at was just taking the big moments. And and as we know. You and I both know from big sport, it's the big moments that win you the match. But the Kane penalty, Jack. Ouch. Have you have you seen the um, the little meme that's going around on Twitter um, where they've superimposed Harry Kane's head over Johnny Wilkinson uh, on the basis that they both got it over the crossbar? He's <laughs> just gone that fraction too high. And, of course, the story is that he was kicking that penalty. It wasn't a penalty shootout. All our listeners know that it was an awarded penalty and he was kicking it to his Tottenham Hotspur um, goalie. I think that's right, yeah. And so you think, let someone else take it, mate, because this bloke's going to know some of your tricks. And he, he, but he didn't even make the goalie do any work. He put it straight well, over yeah, the crossbar. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's, you know, well, you know, again, very easy in hindsight. Perhaps shouldn't have taken that penalty. Would have. Uh, well, it, it, was, it was quite late in the game too, so it would have uh, probably pushed the game into extra time. And from there, you, you never know. But uh, the French looked very good, Jack. They looked deep. Uh, the great Mbappe was not so great in this particular game, so he's probably got something something left. For the semi and maybe the final, who who plays in the final? Uh, oh, look, I think the French and the Argentinians. It would be it would be about right. So you've got that, you know, in terms of the story. I mean, it'd be wonderful. Morocco made it through, for example, or Croatia, because that would be a story in itself. Giant killers, all that sort of stuff. But yes, we're here. We've got Lionel Messi in his last game of, uh, of uh, representative football, international football, uh, probably uh, the greatest player of his generation, if not the greatest of all time. And, uh, he's, and going he's looking out. a bit old, looking a bit old and slow at times. But every now and again, um, uh, that 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 first the pass for the first goal um, uh, was just sublime. Yeah. Yeah, only he could have done that. It would it would be very nice to see him go out in a in a World Cup final. I think France are just too talented, too deep, 
uh, and uh, and we'll get the job done. But we will see. Um, look, just I want to talk about this sort of nonsense with Dave Warner, Jack. We've talked about him. We've sung his praises. We think he's a great player. What is going on there? Why, why can't Cricket Australia just make an announcement and say, yeah, he can be he can be in the leadership group, he can be captain, he can be vice captain? What, what is going on here? Because they've been caught up in this process nonsense that they've got to have a proper process. Mm. Um, and, know. you know, and, and there's somebody, somebody called Sport Integrity Australia and they've made some suggestions and Cricket Australia feels duty-bound to follow their template. Um, uh, Really, it should be a quick board meeting um, that says, okay, is uh, the boy from the suburbs, is Davey going to be able to captain? Yes, done. Announcement. It's extraordinary sort of stuff. And, and um, uh, look, uh, also his manager made it clear that uh, during the week, Jack, that um, uh, they were in the dressing rooms. So we're talking about Cricket Australia, unnamed executives in the dressing rooms. And uh, there was talk there, well, we can't beat South Africa unless we can get the ball to reverse. And that there was a an agreement, um, certainly an, an acceptance that the ball had needed to be tampered with in order for it to reverse. Um, I don't think this is news to anybody who follows cricket at all, guys, mm-hmm. that, that if you're getting beaten by someone who's reversing, uh, then you're going to be trying to do the same thing yourself. And ball tampering to do it, yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah, a lot of outrage. There was a lot of outrage when it happened in the Sandpaper Gate. I mean, it's absolute crap. Um, uh, good players and well-respected players have been having a bit of a fiddle with the ball for a very long time. And uh, this it was just leapt on by idiots like Jeff Kennett, Peter Fitzsimons, who demanded that everyone involved in this never be allowed to play cricket ever again, not even the backyard. And, and the then Prime Minister of Australia, Malcolm oh, Turnbull. Well, it's very clear to me that he got on the blower to Cricket Australia and forced, uh, well, forced, but made it clear that he did not want to see Steve Smith captain for the rest of the game. Mm. And that ultimately happened. Jack, science, or it's a kind of science, isn't it, Jack? Uh, there's been um, been unearthed, and I'm not quite sure where this has happened, but... Uh, a, a, in Turkey. In Turkey, it's been unearthed, a figure of a man holding his penis. That's not Chris Smith, is it? <laughs> I don't think Chris Smith is quite that old. <laughs> <laughs> it's old enough. He's old enough to know and, better, Jack. Anyway, and it, yes. And, it, and it, it isn't clear whether this sculpture was based on a Christmas party, I can tell you. So. It looks like – look, I am looking at a photograph of it now, and it looks like some kind of devil here, Jack. So devil doing devilish yes. stuff, which yeah. is basically having one off the wrist. Uh, and how, how old is this? How far does this go? It, it's it's 11,000 years old, so it, it certainly wasn't at a Christmas party. It certainly was not at a Christmas party. Uh, excellent work there, Jack. Uh, just before just before we go, the nicest thing I saw on the internet all week um, was um, Neil Diamond, who's eighty one, right, um, and um, and retired in twenty eighteen. He cancelled a tour of Australia and New Zealand yes. because he had Parkinson's disease. Has Parkinson's disease. Um, they've written a, um, a stage show, a musical stage show. It's on Broadway at the moment. It's called A Beautiful Noise. Huh. And the opening night um, at the end of the, end of the show, um, up stands Neil Diamond. He's in one of the, uh, the boxes um, in, the, in the lovely theatre in, in Broadway and he belts out Sweet Caroline. Oh. 
Oh, Swanee's um, fans would have loved it too. And um, uh, so, uh, and the audience were all on their feet. And as you would expect, when it got to the point where good times never been so good, they're all got one arm in the air saying, <laughs> so good, so good, so good. Oh, isn't that and nice? uh, wouldn't have been a dry eye in the house. No. Look, not just the SCG, the Swannies, uh, that song is a huge hit with uh, with Swans fans, but they played around the ground, uh, around the grounds around the country during uh, a lot of sports breakups. Oh, uh, all around the all, all around the world this happens. Yeah, you know? uh, um, I hope uh, he's getting a check. I hope he's getting a check uh, from from that. Um, yes, all right. Uh, excellent story. Thank you for that. Um, and uh, look, we just remind our listeners as we wrap uh, that uh, uh, we'd love to hear from him. We got some we got some good notes during the week. We got some good feedback. We did just like to hear it. We don't have to raise it to you, but we got some good feedback, which means. Uh, we sort of, uh, uh, you know, we, we know we're being listened to and we, we like to hear that. But we also remind you that if you've got any questions, any queries, any criticisms or indeed any um, any pats on the shoulder for Jack or myself, just uh, you know, just drop us a line. Uh, when when, I'm, when my uh, Twitter DMs are not being infested uh, with spam, um, Elon Musk, dangerous spam, uh, then uh, you can drop me a line there. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, weed out the rubbish and, uh, and get to your stuff, or you can drop us a line at the conditional release program at gmail.com. Thanks again for your attendance here today, Jack. Go back to your cold, your, your cold winter monsoon. Yeah, um, and any of the listeners who want to want to have a crack at me and tell me how terrible I am at all this, you know, you just go right ahead. Jack <laughs> loves it. He actually loves it. I think he's a bit of a masochist, masochist yeah. streak. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll be I'll be pulling the palings off the back fences and starting a fire in the lounge room. I think that's going to be so cold. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get the heater out tonight. I'm I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, guessing. Yes. Look, this will go to air uh, with pretty much the semi-finals almost done and dusted in the World Cup. So. Uh, we wish um, uh, we wish the semi-finalists all the very very best, and uh, look forward to what the, the final on Saturday, Jack. And I think they still do that third versus fourth to see if finishes yeah, there. The, don't they? That's on the Saturday, and the, and the finals on the Sunday. Ah, okay, thank you for that yeah. clarification. Good on you, mate. We'll talk to you talk to you again next week. Will do. Thanks, listeners. See ya.